Latvia Weekly with Otto Taboons and Joe Horgan. Labakar, Labrid, Labdien, Visium, whatever time you might be listening to the show, this is Joe Horgan, your host. I'm joined here with Otto Taboons, who once again is not next to me. He's all the way over in New York. So I'm able to say uh, live from New York, it's extended Saturday night. <laughs> but it is not Saturday night. Uh, here in Yelgava, it is 1.09 in the morning. Uh, and what time is it over in New York right now, Otto? Uh, so the time difference is uh, seven hours. Uh, so uh, it, it's almost, uh, it, it, is, it must be dark in Yelgava and it's dark in here. <laughs> Exactly. So that's the reason I'm trying to keep my voice down because I don't want my neighbors to hate me and I also don't want to wake up my daughter who uh, is now three, just over three months old and uh, has a little bit of a hard time sleeping right now. So Otto, um, wow, is all I can say about this week in Latvian news and politics. Do you have a single word to sum up what happened this week? Um, probably not anyone that would we would be able to air. <laughs> That's a pretty good way to put it. Um, <laughs> so I think we have to pretty much just start out with it right now. Aldous Gorbzems and the coalition talks. Now, for those of you who have been listening, um, we are now in the ninth week since, I'm sorry, <laughs> now you're listening in the 10th week. So we just finished the ninth uh-huh. week since the October 6th elections. We still do not have a new government. Um, Maris Kuczynskis' caretaker government is still in place, and it doesn't really look like we're going to have one anytime soon because of what went down this week. So I think we should probably just start with the beginning. Um, I mean, it, it, it's hard to kind of sum up everything that happened, but um, so we started out with a four-party coalition proposed by Aldous Gwobzems, which would include his populist KPVLV faction, um, the Jana Conservativa Partia, so the new conservative party uh, led by uh, Janis Bordons, who already had his chance given by the president to form a coalition. That didn't work. And then they would be joined by um, Jana Vienotiba and also uh, the Nacionala Opvianiba, which is kind of like the, the nationalist party. And then... ZZS, Zaluen Zemniku Savianiba, so the Union of Greens and Farmers, who Guobzems and his um, uh, party co-leader, Artis Kaimich, had spent pretty much the entire campaign railing against, and which Janis Bordons from um, Yana Conservativa Partia had already dramatically announced just a few days after the election that he would absolutely not work against. Um, a little bit of a surprise, wouldn't you say, Otto? Uh, oh yes, uh, the desperation started to set in. Well, I don't know if I'd really call it desperation because it really seemed, at least to me for a minute, like it was going to work. Um, and even though Giannis Bordons had been so um, adamant about ZZS not being included, it seemed, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to uh, Krustpunkta, via Radio Viens' um, 
uh, kind of uh, interview program on, on, on Wednesday, but uh, Giannis Bordons was dodging Mariansu and his questions over, you know, so are you going to go to coalition with Zezias? Have you gone back on your principles? Like, why why wouldn't you just say no if, if this is such a red line for you? Like, how how serious are you about this, um, about, about, you know, not working with Zezias? And uh, Otto, have you seen the first Matrix movie? Uh, I think I did, yeah, sometime in childhood. <laughs> well, there, there's this one scene where um, one of the evil agents, you know, starts shooting bullets at Neo, and Neo, like, in this awesome late 90s technology, like, dodges the bullets in what they call, like, bullet time. And um, I wrote on www.lotbyweekly.com in my um, uh, kind of, like, summary of this week's coalition talks that it was like that scene. It was like watching Giannis Bordons just kind of, like, dodge these dodge these questions so impressively. It was just like, how is he doing this? And uh, if you haven't got a chance to listen to this, and if any of you out there um, know the Latvian language, it's just absolutely amazing to listen to this. He's talking about, well... Um, you know, when, when you have an when you have somebody build your house and and they're building the foundation, you know they they uh, they offer some certain materials that you can use, and um, you might not like those materials. And then you talk about, well, mm-hmm. there might be some other materials. And it's like, what are you talking about? Um, and it really gave you the impression that like they might seriously be considering this. You know, they're not just saying no, sorry, thanks, bye, but they might actually be considering it, um, which was very surprising to me. Until exactly. But until because they, they used to have the, the best position um, to, to start with to form the government, mm-hmm. but at the same time, uh, out of the eligible parties, they had the most red lines, which made their life uh, very difficult in contrast to Globzems, uh, which didn't have almost any. Yeah, well, speaking of red lines, I forgot to mention it was very strange that um, Autist T by Par was not invited into this coalition because... Um, you know, he did make that kind of weird announcement a few weeks ago when when Bordons was chosen by the prime minister to become um, to become the uh, nominee. He, you know, he he made that announcement that you know we will not go into a coalition led by Artis Pabriks. But still, it was surprising that they wouldn't even invite Artisti by Par in general into a coalition. And, you know, he was saying that, well, they haven't been, uh, you know, constructive at all during this, you know, coalition talks process. Well, you know, that's mm-hmm. not true because I, I think you could even say they've made the most effort to try to, um, you know, have a constructive coalition talks. But, you know, whatever, that's in the eye of the beholder. Still, you know, based on all his, all of KPVLV's campaign rhetoric about, you know, we want the new parties, we don't want the old oligarch-based parties. You invite ZZS, which, you know, they've been connecting with oligarch Ivar Lemberg's the entire campaign, and you don't invite in Achistia by Par, which is a new political party. You know, what what's what's the logic behind that? Exactly. Is it um, is it they're like try to be the only one uh, fighting the oligarchs, but at the same time, it, it is so strange to to try then to go. Uh, in a coalition with the party that they try to make everyone afraid of. Yes, something definitely smelled fishy. Something seemed like it was a bit off. And that hunch, as we say in American English, I don't know if hunch is a word in British English, but uh, that was confirmed when the next day, Artis Kaiminch, who once again is the founder of the KPVLV party and its current chairman still, 
um, he came out to the media and said that actually he did not support the idea of Zezias being in the coalition. And he said, well, you know, everybody in Cape Vale is allowed to have their own opinion. And, you know, you know, this is something that we'll have to talk about as a group. But, you know, it immediately raised the question of, well, wait a minute, you know, did Guobzems offer this plan without even checking it over with his you know, with his own party, and, you know, that immediately eroded a lot of confidence among the partners of, like, well, if he can't even, you know, do this, like, well, you know, like, like, what what, what kind of prime minister would he be? Uh Um, So, and then it raised the other question of, like, well, what, you know, what's going on? Is this, you know, really some kind of split in the Cape of ALVA party, or is this some kind of, like, good cop, bad cop routine where they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, where, you know, Kaimanch is playing like the, you know, serious reformer and Guobzems is playing, you know, like the compromiser. Uh, it was very unclear until Friday morning when Guobzems comes out of the meeting with the coalition partners. Um, you know, he's, he's dressed up in this like uh, this checkered blazer and this sweater. And he comes out to the media and says that the talks have failed that he is withdrawing his offer to the other parties and that instead he would propose to the president and to Saima a cabinet full of unelected professionals who he said would be the best of the best of their respective fields and that he would once again um, call for the amount of ministries to be cut from 13 to just six which was one of his campaign promises but just you know a day before in an interview that was published by Ear Magazine, um, you know, he'd been saying that, like, well, you know, that wasn't really a campaign promise. It was more of a proposal. You know, that's not one of our red lines or anything like that. Well, all of a sudden, it's back. You know, all of a sudden, it's it's serious proposal again. And um, not only that, the icing on top of the cake would be that if this plan didn't work, he would call on the president to hold early elections. Now, Otto... Um, I do want to point out the fact that, you know, having, you know, uh, nonpartisan industry professionals isn't necessarily the most radical idea ever because, you know, there are countries where, you know, for, for example, the United States, a lot of our, you know, not, we don't have ministers, we have secretaries are, you know, these kind of nonpartisan, you know, more or less kind of industry professionals and even lobby itself, um, you know, um, current uh, Minister for Health, uh, Anda Chaksha, started out as a kind of, un, uh, you know, nonpartisan professional. She eventually joins SAS. Um, Dotsay Malbarde, she also started out as kind of, a, you know, one of these unelected professionals, you know, before joining National Afiniba. You know, Latvia has had unelected professionals, you know, these nonpartisan ministers before, but not the entire cabinet. And I've even heard some people go so far, you know, I think this might be a bit dramatic, uh, as to say that this is unprecedented since Carlos Wilmanis' authoritarian takeover in 1934. Um, would you go to that level of drama, Otto? Well, uh, uh, it, it is interesting that you mentioned that uh, it was uh, something quite uh, unseen before. Uh, we have to also remember that under the current legislation that would also be something illegal so that would be probably also the autocorrect of uh, this uh, show um, because if we remember the law on the, um, the structure of the uh, cabinet of the ministers 
uh, it is uh, written in the law that the ministers have political responsibility and we do have uh, 15 ministers uh, with a specific um, roles of responsibility. So for uh, Wobzems uh, to propose such an um, idea, apparently not looking at the law first, uh, is really strange and uh, wouldn't be plausible even if you would get uh, a, a, some political agreement behind it. You would have to change the law first. Yeah, exactly. So um, that was exactly how most of the other parties felt. And, you know, it came as pretty much no surprise that about an hour later, um, Yano Vinotiba and uh, Yano Conservativa Partia both came out and said that we're done with these talks. Um, okay. And then uh, Nacional Apvianiba's Rivas Tsintars, who's one of their top leaders, you know, also said that, like, eh, we don't really see the possibility. We think that um, Aldous Gwobzem's, uh, you know, capacity for prime minister has been pretty much exhausted. That was the most polite person, you know, th that was the most polite way to say it. Um, mm -hmm. Christianis Karinch, who is the nominee for Yanavino Diba, he went so far as to say that he was worried that this proposal was, you know, leaving the door open for the traditionally Kremlin-friendly Soskina party to come in to power. And then Jutta Strice from Yana Conservativa Party, which up till this point has been really KPV's closest ally. Um, and, you know, I, they haven't really been buddy-buddy exactly, but, you know, they, they have been kind of, um, as we'd say in Latvian, leads guide nieki. And I don't really know if there's a similar word in English, um, but kind of, I don't know, so soulmates? Could, could you call them soulmates, yeah. Otto? Yeah, that would work well, yes. Something like that, but very, very uneasy soulmates. Maybe you could say frenemies as well. Um, sure. Well, she, she came out, and I, I love this. She called him the egg of oligarchs. He called, mm -hmm. She called him an oligarch's egg, which had been laid, um, which obviously <laughs> Guabzem did not take very kindly to. Um, and then he came out and said that Yana Conservativa Partia was actively attempting to tear his party apart. Um, and it didn't help that uh, there was um, some news later on that uh, Kaimich came out, and this was just great. He told reporters that not only did he completely disagree with this proposal, and he was also worried about, um, you know, Saskina being, uh -huh. um, you know, uh, possibly supporting this and gaining their influence. He said that he found out about the proposal from the media report and that Gwobzem hadn't even told anybody in the party. Um, so I, you know, there's serious concerns. And, and um, then uh, then it just got even like crazier. So then I think it was TV3 or, or um, Escatius.lve, but, but they're all basically owned by All Media Baltic. So whatever. They reported that a source within KPVLV was saying that um, Guobzems might even be planning to kick Kaimich out of the party. You know, Guobzems obviously said that that wasn't true, that they were working very well together. But then the next day, apparently there was a there was a vote, and Kaimich was um, trying to convince party members not to go with Guobzems' plan. Um, but then a bunch of other party leaders decided that they would go with the plan, and it really looks like there could possibly be a split in the KPVLV party. Now, Otto, would this be unprecedented in Latvian politics for a party to split apart? 
Uh, no, uh, and especially uh, in the case if you would have a party with such a ideological foundation as this one, because I believe, uh, Joe, we discussed this at the beginning uh, in regard to parties who would have the biggest chance to split up, and uh, one of them uh, was actually KPV, because on the one hand, uh, their lack of certain ideological assertions mean that they are free to negotiate with almost any other partner. At the same time, well, if the party lacks any ideological direction, well, what then is the question or the issues or the principles that keep them together? And uh, if it's not uh, the um, achievement of power, uh, which actually might be the case um, as uh, if the government of professionals would come together and one of the results would be that Kaiminsch wouldn't be a um, candidate for any of the ministerial positions, uh, then I would understand why uh, some uh, people in the KPW party would be quite disappointed with a, a proposal like this. I mean, if, if I was a KPFALV member, I would myself be quite unpleased with uh, how things have gone. And so I published the story this afternoon. That is not even the end. There have been some major developments even today. So I don't know if you've heard this, Otto, but apparently um, Guapsim's called up uh, Yana Vinotiba and, uh, uh, who was it? Yana Vinotiba, Natsunela Vinotiba, and Yakepe yesterday and offered, okay, well actually, I'm abandoning this idea of the government professionals, we're actually gonna go with the four-party coalition without this, yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> I know. This, this just, is the desperation. It's just unreal. Um, and then and then ZZS comes out, uh, you know, and tells Latvian public media, like, well, actually, we didn't hear this. We, you know, we, we just found out that apparently he had this new proposal. He didn't let us know, um, which ZZS has just been hilarious this entire process because they've just been kind of coyly going along with like, ah, you know, like we like we we know that we'll be lucky if we're in the next government at all. So I don't know. They've been just kind of like riding the tide the entire time. Uh, of course, obviously, Yanovinotiba and Nacionalopfiniba were very, very skeptical of uh, continuing this, you know, and, um, you know, as Atiti Baipar um, member Yoris Putze already said a few days ago, he said it was time to end this farce. Otto, do you think the president will agree? Do you think the president will give Guobzems another few days to try to make things right, or is it curtains? No, I, I don't think that the um, president would give Gobsams more days because then it would be this uh, different attitude to one candidate and to the other because we rem remember for the uh, candidacy of YKP, uh, uh, it, it was exactly the, the time given. So uh, after it runs out, I think the president will make his next move and Gobsams will have had his chance lost. Really quickly, deal or no deal, Otto. It's time to play deal or no deal. I think I'll I'll keep the the position I took in the last show and stay with no deal because I I, I would feel that even from New York that the probability of no deal is increasing. And I'm gonna have to agree with you. I did think that it was possible last week that uh, Guobdems would be confirmed, but. It looks pretty much impossible at this point, so I'm going to go with no deal, which raises the question, who next? And um, 
So the president has indicated already a few times that he wants to uh, go through his entire short list, which was Yannis Bordon's from the conservatives, um, Gobzem's from KPV, and then Otis Pabrik's from um, from Otisti by Par. But the problem with Pabrik's, of course, is that uh, both Gobzem's and Bordon's have already said that they would not work in a government led by him. And even Otisti by Par leadership uh, yesterday, or I, th I think it was Friday, said that uh, they were okay with that, that they would be able to live with a different candidate. So who next? And uh, one name that's been mentioned quite a bit because he was a nominee and the president has indicated that he would like to go through the list of nominees. And he's also from a very surprisingly kind of uncontroversial party right now would be Chris Yannis Karinch, uh, who has been a um, member of European Parliament for quite a few years and is also the uh, nominee that was chosen by Yannavino um, Tiba. Uh, Otto, how do you see his chances? And it is no longer Sunday night or early Monday morning because my connection with Otto cut out at that point um, right before I asked him that question about Christiana's car and so he didn't even hear it. Um, so unfortunately, I'm continuing on my own now. It is now Tuesday um, at around 5.30 in the afternoon here in Yelgova. Uh, I wasn't able to continue yesterday. Both Otto and I were a bit too busy. So Otto recorded his parts um, by himself over in America. We're going to hear those a little bit later. And I'm going to continue myself. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not joined by Otto. I am joined by my daughter, Estre, who's going to be taking over Otto's co-hosting duties right now. Um, so that part where I left off about Christiana's car inch, now that was quite topical because um, as of now, as of Wednesday afternoon, uh, sorry, Tuesday afternoon, and I don't know when you're listening to this, maybe everything's completely different, but it looks as if Christiana's car inch is going to be the prime minister. So how in the world did that happen? Well, let's go back a little bit. Um, so on Monday morning, uh, KPV LV decided that they were going to go along with um, Aldous Globesom's most recent plan that we just talked about. Um, but the president did decide that he was going to call back his nomination of Globesom's. Um, so that, that he, he revoked that nomination and Guobzems was no longer the prime minister candidate. Uh, then today, okay, so again, this is Tuesday. This morning, Otis Pabriks, um, he basically threw in the towel and said, well, you know, it's, it's probably not going to be me and, and I'm okay with that, okay? Because uh, there was already so many red lines against his candidacy that it just didn't look that possible and, and, and he accepted that and, and, and that was fine. Uh, then it came out that the parties had gone to President Veonis and it's uh, still unclear as to this point exactly which parties we're talking about. And as I mentioned Christianus Karnsch's name, uh, I wasn't the only one who was thinking this because they went with his name to the president and have apparently offered his, his nomination. Uh, so there's really no word yet as to what the composition of the parties will be. By, by the time you're listening to this, um, you know, who knows, everything might be completely different. Um, but it looks entirely possible that despite all of the insanity that has happened in the last few years to the Vienotiba party, um, from you know, the collapse of uh, Lime Dota Straumas party, 
um, to to the Game of Thrones esque infighting, uh, courtesy of Solvita Albertina, who's now the uh, ambassador to Italy. After all of that, after this summer, it looking like that they weren't even going to clear the five percent barrier to even get into Parliament. Now all of a sudden, they might have the prime ministership again. Uh, so you know. <laughs> If you'd asked anyone this summer, you know, what they thought the result of the parliamentary election would be, um, I don't think anyone would have, project, would have been able to predict that uh, Vienotiba or, you know, their Yauno Vienotiba would be in charge of the prime ministership again. Uh, so really stunning developments. And again, who knows when you're listening to this right now, everything could be completely different. Um, so keep, keep checking back on the Latvia Weekly Facebook page. Uh, you know, we, we, we post updates um, as basically as soon as they happen. Um, we have a poll right now over there about whether or not people uh, would support Christianis Karinch being um, chosen as the prime minister uh, and being formally nominated uh, by the president. And uh, we haven't had that many votes yet. So, um, so far we've only had about 12 votes. It's only been up for an hour. Uh, but it's exactly 50-50, so um, uh, half of our readers have decided that they do want him, the other half decided that they didn't. Last night we asked a pretty similar question about um, about Atis Pabrix, whether or not he should be nominated by President Veonis to become the next Prime Minister. Um, that was also pretty even, so there was uh, 13 who said yes, 19 who said no, um, and a few people in the comments uh, quantified that by saying, well, you know, they might not want him to actually become the prime minister, but uh, they think that that's at least what the president should do. So anyway, um, stay tuned. It's going to be very interesting. What do you think, Estray? Do you think Christianus Kearns should be prime minister? What do you think? No? Okay. I think that's how most people feel right now. Most people are kind of speechless and don't really know what to think. So that pretty much does it for politics for right now. Um, I think we've talked about everything there is to talk about. So let's hand it over to Otto. Let's hear about some major international stories that uh, could affect Latvia right now. So Otto, what do you have for us? There are four international news that I wish to discuss with you, Joe, because of their relevance to Latvia. First of them is, of course, the continuing uh, conflict between uh, Ukraine and Russia. And uh, following the incident in the Kerch Straits, the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine has announced that they will form a group of naval ships that will uh, try to uh, cross the Kerch Straits, the ownership of which uh, is disputed uh, between Russia, which occupied Crimea and parts of uh, eastern Ukraine uh, since 2014 and Ukraine, which is the internationally recognized owner of these uh, territories. So, uh, as a result, we might see uh, a more intense uh, dynamics uh, of the conflict between uh, Ukraine and Russia uh, in the upcoming weeks and uh, even for the beginning of the next year. Uh, the next news uh, that we have to discuss is the announcement from the intelligence services of the Czech Republic who have found and disbanded a network of Russian spies. And although uh, the report from the intelligence uh, services was dismissed by the uh, uh, president uh, of uh, Czech Republic, Miloš Zeman, uh, the prime minister's office announced that they do not have any doubts regarding the veracity of these reports. Uh, 
and that is of course a good warning sign uh, to many countries in Europe including uh, to Latvia that the uh, threat of uh, such interference is still high and this is serious. If we move along to Western Europe uh, then we have to look uh, at France and uh, the riots that have been gripping the country for the last weeks uh, and um, in the last riots on Saturday up to 1700 people have been arrested. Uh, this of course is not good news uh, for the government and the presidency of uh, Mr. Macron, the president of France and uh, also uh, gives the question uh, to uh, will it affect uh, the current leadership of France and uh, might we see uh, another uh, leader of the Republic once the next election come. Uh, this is especially important for Latvia uh, following the changes of leadership in Germany and uh, the question of what will be the new guiding strategy for uh, the European idea and the cooperation among the states of the European Union, especially following Brexit in 2019. So these were some troubling developments from uh, across the Europe, but let's finish on a more positive note. And uh, being train fans such as myself and Joe, uh, we will be happy about the news that uh, the idea of building uh, a tunnel between Helsinki and Tallinn has received support from a Dubai investment company which would mean that in the nearest future, uh, even in uh, the, the closest five to ten years, we could see a railway tunnel between the two capitals and have a decent transport infrastructure connecting all the way from Helsinki via Riga to Berlin. So, uh, Joe, I think we can both look forward to the moment in some years that we would be able to do one of our podcasts from the Helsinki Berlin Express. Thank you very much, Otto. And obviously, I couldn't agree more. I cannot wait until the day when we can take the train from Riga to Helsinki, uh, especially since so my uh, mother's side of the family, actually, most of them come from Finland. And it's been on my to-do list uh, in the five and a half years that I've lived in Latvia to just get up to Helsinki at some point. And it's pretty ridiculous that I haven't made it up there. So uh, if there was a train that went through uh, Riga, up to Helsinki, then I would have absolutely no excuse. So you're right, Otto, maybe we'll be doing an episode on that train someday. Anyway, uh, we've got a couple more uh, domestic stories before we go back to Otto for his uh, week in history. So um, I'm going to go through a few of the stories that I wrote about on www.latviaweekly.com. We post different articles from time to time about different issues, such as the coalition talks, such about education reform, and we do a weekly news update. And in this weekly news update, we talk about uh, some of the major stories and what they mean, you know, what the, the implications are. And I usually have a picture for each story, but for the last few weeks for the coalition talks, instead of a picture, I've had a video. And um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Avaris Brigade, this is this fantastic uh, Latvian animation series that's been going on since the reestablishment of independence. It's this kind of claymation style similar to like Wallace and Gromit 
or uh, Gumby, but it's way better than Gumby, and I would even say it's better than Wallace and Gromit, uh, just the amount of detail that they put in, and uh, really this very specific Latvian sense of humor. So whenever people ask me, you know, like, uh, you know, what's the Latvian sense of humor like, I always tell them to watch Afrius Brigade. So if you haven't had the chance to watch any of their um, little short films, Definitely watch that one. It's very topical because of the way that the coalition talks have been going. It's this very, um, especially for a kids' show, it's quite uh, surprising how they depict politics there, uh, but very accurately, sadly. Anyway, a uh, few other stories that we wrote about this week. So you might have heard that Saima rejected the UN Global Compact on Migration. So what does that mean? Well, this is basically one of those non-binding agreements, kind of similar to the Paris Agreement, where countries will set uh, kind of shared goals and set uh, targets, but it doesn't have legal teeth. So it's not like if a country violates this agreement that there's any kind of consequence. Uh, so really, it's it's more of just a gesture. It's, it's more of just kind of like a signal that we're taking this issue seriously. And uh, there are a few other countries besides Latvia that have found this, you know, something that they don't want to sign on to, most famously my country, the United States, but also some other European countries such as Switzerland, Czech Republic, Hungary, Poland, Bulgaria, Austria. So a lot of the countries where there's been kind of this uh, far right kind of populist uh, backlash against the European Union and migration. Uh, the other two Baltic countries, so Lithuania and Estonia, both pa both passed this, uh, definitely, you know, with reservations from the public and, and definitely after a lot of intense debate. Uh, but here in Latvia, so as Mara Janssone from uh, Kruispunkte, Latvia Radio Vienna's um, daily uh, political discussion and interview show, this hasn't even been translated into Latvian yet. So a lot of parliamentarians were debating this without even um, having really read the document, unless they have very good knowledge of English, which some do and obviously some don't. Uh, so the question was, you know, was this rushed through too quickly and, you know, what are the implications? Um, in reality, you know, even if we had signed this, I, it wouldn't really change that much. But uh, by not signing this, it still is a message that the idea of migration, the idea of refugees are very unpopular among Latvian society. Um, even though we've had very low levels of migration compared to other European countries, very low levels of refugees, uh, still something that a lot of political parties don't want to hang their hat over. Um, so uh, th that's something that was uh, voted down. And um, so the, the government can still sign the compact if they want, but they've indicated that they've, they're basically going to go along with whatever Saima decided. So now they can say like, well, that's what the people wanted and we're not going to do that. So uh, anyway, that's that for now. The KGB archives, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. And this is a really major story because... Uh, since 1990, when Latvia reestablished its independence from the Soviet Union, there's been this lingering issue. What do we do about people who collaborated with the KGB? And uh, so the Storia Maya, so the, the building where um, the KGB was headquartered in Riga, its archives were taken over by the Latvian government. And the big question has been, well, do we publish it? Do we not publish it? So Saima decided finally, after all of these years, that they were going to publish them. And these are going to be available to the public before Christmas, according to the director of the Latvian National Archives, uh, Mara Spr uh, Spruja, 
and I wish Otto was here to correct my pronunciation. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm sorry, Director uh, Spruja, if I'm horribly butchering your name. Anyway, um, you know the big question is this right? Is this wrong? On one hand, of course, people who uh, were victims of the KGB's brutality they want to see some kind of justice. They want to see some kind of um, consequences for the, the crimes that were committed against the Latvian people. On the other hand, from what I've read, at least according to Latvian public media, uh, it's quite difficult to determine, well, how closely was this person collaborating? Uh, according at least to this report by Latvian public media, which any of you can go read on their English section, uh, Apparently, the KGB had power to put people on this list, you know, even if they weren't really doing any collaborating. There was the question of, you know, how much were they actually doing? You could be on this list without being like an active collaborator. Uh, and, and there's always the question of, is this good in general for the social fabric? Uh, but anyway, the debate is basically over at this point, and it, we're going to have to see what happens. So for the people who uh, thought that this was a bad idea to publish this, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, some good news in the sports world. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with Latvian sports, obviously hockey is number one over here. Basketball is quite a big thing though, especially with Kristaps Porzingis in the NBA, of course. But one of the biggest sports over here, uh, which we have a lot of national pride over, is sledding sports. And this is skeleton, bobsled, um, uh, luge. And right now, the International Bobsled and Skeleton Federation are having their World Cup in Sigulda, so the uh, very famous, beautiful, picturesque town, which is uh, highly visited in uh, fall. But there's a world-class bobsled track there. And uh, just a few days ago, so um, Oscars uh, Kibermanis and Matis uh, Meekness, they took second place in the two-man bobsleigh uh, event. So they, they came, they, they got the silver for Latvia, which uh, quite an accomplishment. Congratulations, guys. Another big story, uh, this wasn't even translated into English on LSM's main page, and I don't know why, because this is uh, quite a big saga going on right now. So there were more than 10,000 signatures collected on the monobols.lv portal, which is myvote.lv. And this is a portal where if enough people collect signatures for any kind of issue, then Saima has to at least comment on it, or at least discuss it. And this is in opposition to a wind farm, which is planning on being built between Tukums and Dobeles, uh municipalities, counties. The, the word in English is Nuovads, but basically these like kind of municipal regions. And this is about 60 kilometers west of Riga uh, in the Zemgali region, the south of Latvia. And this project would be a 250 million investment in the region. And apparently, at least according to the company, it could provide Latvia with 10% of its energy um, demand, which is huge. But there've been heavy criticisms uh, launched uh, by local businesses and, and also by local residents who were worried that it could uh, damage agriculture in the area. And whether or not you even believe the science in that, which is very iffy whether or not it could have a negative effect on agriculture, um, at least on livestock agriculture, you know, really at the end of the day, we need energy, we need electricity, and there's no perfect way to generate electricity. Uh, so no matter what, there has to be some kind of trade-off and with something like wind power, you know, really it's not perfect, but neither is burning coal, neither is using hydroelectric stations, which is how Latvia gets most of its electricity. Uh, we lost 
one of the Latvia's most famous uh, natural landmarks, Stabarogs, uh, when when the um, uh, Plauvinius uh, hydroelectric station was built. So really, there's no perfect trade-off, but there's a lot of uh, NIMBYs. So um, for those of you who aren't familiar with that phrase in English, it stands for not in my backyard NIMBYs who are uh, opposing this. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, the, the firm is still, the Swedish firm is still uh, deciding to press ahead with this, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if it makes it. A few more stories real quick. Um, so Riga City Council apparently is considering closing uh, Christiana Baronaila to cars. We'll see if that actually happens because any of you um, who are listening from Riga, you know that that would cause quite a scandal most likely. Um, so not that it's a great road for cars in the first place, but um, you know, it's Riga is not the most bike friendly city in the world. So we'll see if that actually happens. Um, there were some suspicions surrounding uh, this building that was acquired by a um, an owner of this Russian military uh, equipment company. So that's being looked into by the government right now. Um, there was this very funny article on LSM's uh, English page. Uh, complimenting the Latvian police and, and, and go look at this because it, it's it's actually quite funny. So on Latvian public media lsm dot lv, if you go to the English section, there's this article about how the police have updated their look and how stylish they look. And um, I, I have no idea who who wrote this because they don't usually put the authors, but um, somebody's a really big fan of how the Latvian police look now. So so you can go take a look at that. Anyway, that just about does it for domestic news this week or last week, really, because we're already pretty heavily into this week. Uh, let's take a look, uh, Otto, what happened last week in Latvian and American history. And uh, I have indeed prepared uh, this week in history, and uh, I will try to uh, implement the idea that uh, Joe and I had uh, in uh, telling an uh, important fact, not only from Latvian history, uh, but also in respect to the country uh, Joe is from, also to tell an important fact from the American history, which is also relevant for uh, many uh, thousands of Americans who are in Latvia as expats. So uh, for Latvia, this week in history is important with uh, December 1st, uh, which is the day when only 13 days after declaring our independence, the Red Army started its invasion of Latvia and uh, that began the Latvian War of Independence. Uh, as a result, uh, the Latvian armed forces, uh, which were just established, uh, cooperated uh, with the uh, Baltic German forces, uh, the Landeswehr uh, in Latvia, and uh, that prevented uh, the uh, German forces from uh, being uh, evacuated from Latvia to keep them to fight against the threat of uh, communism. Uh, that was at least uh, the uh, initial idea of the Allied forces uh, in uh, Great Britain and France. Although uh, the Red Army conquered most of the territory of Latvia uh, by 1919, uh, the common effort of uh, Latvian and uh, Baltic German forces uh, was enough to press them back. Uh, but of course, uh, as we know, there was uh, a big difference between the idea of what the uh, Latvians had for their country and what some uh, in the Baltic German and Imperial German circles had 
for uh, their idea of, of the future of the Baltic states. And so the Latvian and Baltic German alliance fell through in the summer of uh, 1919 and with the help of Estonian forces and later on in the uh, fights uh, by Riga uh, in November of uh, 1919 and then uh, the liberation of Yalta uh, a couple of days later that saw uh, the end of the uh, German threat uh, to uh, Latvian independence. Uh, that left uh, the Latvian army with free hands uh, to finish the war of independence on the Eastern Front and to uh, make an end to the uh, Red Army's incursion. And that was done with the help of uh, Estonian, Finnish, Polish and uh, Lithuanian uh, troops uh, and also with the assistance of uh, the uh, French and uh, British forces. And that saw uh, the end of uh, foreign uh, domination and uh, the War of Independence was finished on August 21, uh, 1920 with a peace treaty between uh, the Republic of Latvia and the Soviet Russia, uh, the predecessor of the Soviet Union, in which uh, the Russian side denounced all claims to the land and people of Latvia. On the other hand, uh, this week in history is also important for the American people. Uh, December 7, 1941 uh, is the day of infamy, the terrible attack on Pearl Harbor and the American involvement in World War II. For both uh, Latvians in 1918 and the Americans in 1941, this uh, was a great example of how the peoples of the both countries in time of crisis were able to overcome uh, such challenges to their security, independence and uh, their future and uh, they were able to fight for their freedom and keep it uh, for their future generations. And of course uh, for the Americans they were able to win the world war and uh, find a leading role for them in the post-war world order. And of course, uh, there aren't anyone left uh, from the times of the Latvian War of Independence, uh, but it was uh, very heartwarming to see on American television uh, some of the survivors of uh, Pearl Harbor uh, being interviewed and being uh, remembered and uh, them remembering those days and honoring uh, their compatriots who died in the fight for the independence of their country. So these are our heroes, Latvian and American. Thank you, Otto. I could not agree more. And that's a great way to wrap things up because we are pretty much done. Uh, thank you very much, those of you, for bearing through uh, some technical difficulties, an episode that's two days late, uh, you know, some, some issues with audio quality, and um, also uh, the fact that we are already one minute over our 45-minute time limit. So I'm going to stop talking. Uh, just one quick thing I want to mention. Uh, this Friday... I'm very excited that we are recording our Christmas special episodes, the first ever kind of holiday special episode we've done. Hopefully this will be better than the Star Wars Christmas special, which uh, is quite infamous for its, uh, well, y you can look it up if you don't know about it. Uh, I'm going to be recording that with uh, Marchinch Angelis, who is the uh, editor of Capital R, 
which is a little bit like our sister blog, started up around the same time, but he focuses more on uh, lifestyle and culture in Riga, whereas we focus more on news and politics. And then also uh, Nikita Andreev, who is a uh, lecturer at the University of Latvia Theology Faculty. So that will be very interesting. We're going to talk about some different Christmas traditions here in Latvia, how they're different from traditions in America, uh, such as the fact that Latvia is obsessed with Home Alone, the Home Alone series. Uh, a lot of Americans, we don't even know that there was a Home Alone 4, let alone a Home Alone 5. Uh, you know, so, so, so different things like this. Uh, that should be pretty interesting. And thank goodness Otto will be back uh, next week. So hopefully we'll have smooth sailing from here on out. I'm going to give Otto the very last word, but and thank you very much for listening. Uh, so uh, saying goodbye from the 42nd Street in New York, uh, I wish to thank Joe for his patience in putting together uh, our second transatlantic podcast and also uh, express uh, my hope that our government crafting process will remind us less of a Broadway steam pipe in the coming weeks and we'll get to a good deal as soon as possible. Thank you very much and visulavo. Thanks for listening to another episode of Latvia Weekly. Make sure to go to www.latviaweekly.com to subscribe and like us on Facebook. Have a great week.